you so much for listening to our podcast today at Word of Life. We know summer is busy with traveling and all things fun, but we have good news for you. You can stay in church even while on vacation through our online campus. You can watch live on Sundays at 10 and 1130 and get fed throughout the week with inspiring articles, message series, and so much more at thelifeonline.cc. Thank you for listening and enjoy the message. Today, what we're doing is we are starting a brand new series on the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. It is entitled The Bird, the Blaze, and the Breeze. Uh, And I am super excited about this lesson. Uh, I wrote it um, with the intent of explaining it to people who might know absolutely nothing about the Holy Spirit. Uh, And so we're going to walk through this line by line, step by step. We're going to see it scripturally. Um, and uh, we're going to see it authentically. Uh, And then I'm going to give everybody at all of our campuses a chance to receive the Holy Spirit if you never have, or for those of us who have, to live a more Spirit-filled type of life. Uh, And so let's open up our Bibles today, the book of Acts. We're going to look at Acts chapter 19, and we'll read verses 1 through 7. This will also be on the screens. And then uh, speaking up on the screens, uh, our first point is this, is Jesus is the Father's gift to the world. The Holy Spirit is the Father's gift to his children. Now, you're going to see this all throughout Scripture. Uh, We'll look at this multiple times throughout the next couple of passages. But you will see uh, that God so loved the world that he gave the world Jesus. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, God loves the world. And for those of us now who we can see the world through all our different lenses and news outlets, we're more connected to the world than ever before. We can see the pain, we can see the shame, and we can see the ugliness of the world. But God loves it. And if you are here today or you're watching online and you feel like um, you have had a little bit of shame uh, here recently, or maybe a little pain, or maybe you've even been a little ugly, um, God loves you. And he sent his son, Jesus, to save you, to redeem you, to pick up the broken pieces of your life and to put it back together. Jesus is the Father's gift to the world. But what we see from Scripture is if you've made a decision for Jesus and have become a son and a daughter of God, that God's not done giving gifts. The Holy Spirit is his gift to his children. And if you have received Jesus and you've invited Jesus into your heart, you now have the opportunity to be filled with God's Spirit. Uh, And this is a separate experience from salvation. Uh, Now we'll look at this from Scripture, and we read it together here in Acts chapter 19. Uh, This is probably my favorite example. We'll see this again in Acts chapter 8 in a few moments. But notice in Acts chapter 19, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Uh, So here we see people who have made a decision to be followers of Jesus. They aren't just believers of Jesus, they are disciples. And the difference between the two is a believer is someone who believes on Jesus. A disciple is saying, 
I want to do life the Jesus way. How does Jesus want me to handle my money? I'll handle money that way. How does Jesus want me to treat an enemy? I'll handle an enemy that way. So you have people who are genuinely trying to do what God wants them to do. They found disciples, disciples of the Lord Jesus. And it says here in verse number two, he said unto them, now watch this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, believed on what? On Jesus. Uh, Did you receive the Holy Spirit then? Did whoever told you about Jesus tell you about the Holy Spirit? And watch what they say. And they said to him, no, (laughs) we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And so they asked this question in verse number three. And he said, and so what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, speaking of John the Baptist. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him that is in Jesus. So were they disciples of Jesus? Yes, they were baptized in John's baptism. They just explained, just in case people were like, well, what were they a disciple of? Uh, They just explained, well, what baptism were you baptized in? The baptism of Jesus, uh, that just like John pointed to Jesus, they had been pointed to Jesus and they had received Jesus as Lord and believed in his name. And so their question then is, great, you've received Jesus. Have you now received the Holy Spirit? And they're like, nope. Uh, In fact, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Uh, Like, what in the world are you talking about? And so here we see them continuing to teach, uh, verse 5, when they heard this, they baptized, speaking of water baptism, in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesying, and there were about 12 men. Uh, So here we see a separate experience outside of salvation called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, A couple of things that I want you to notice here is notice when they come across Christians, they're like, hey, you're a Christian? Like, yes, we're a Christian. Notice the first question out of their mouth was not, have you done a five-part series on redemption? (laughs) Have you, you know, what church do you go to? Their first question was literally this, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? The first question out of, you're a Christian? Yes. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? That is the first question out of their mouth. Why? This was the main thing that God instructed his early church to wait for. Uh, Here in the the way the book of Acts starts, we'll look at this in in other uh, messages throughout the series. When the book of Acts starts, you see followers of Jesus, lovers of God be commanded by Jesus. Don't even try to live this life without being filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't even attempt it. Don't even try to go after it. You wait here and you tarry until the Holy Spirit comes. And he came like a breeze. Come on, somebody. Uh, So we'll talk about that later in this series. But the early church, their dominant thought was, we must not only get people saved, but once they're saved, we must get them filled with the Holy Spirit. They laid hands on them, and and so oftentimes, especially if you're new to church, uh, do not be alarmed by like the laying uh, on of hands. The the whole narrative of of Christ is redemption, and what redemption means is to buy back. Uh, If you uh, redeem tickets for like the prize at Chuck E. Cheese or wherever you go, uh, you are buying something with that redemption. And uh, through the laying on of hands, the reason why I believe God has that be the chief way through which healing and the ministry of the Holy Spirit and God honestly is given is because so much of our hurts in life come from the hands of other people. 
that the enemy uses people to bring about his plans into our lives. And we've been hurt so much by the hands of people that it's redemption, uh, that now healing and life and the movement of God's spirit comes through hands. Now, uh, your idea of hands, it doesn't have to be what you saw on Christian television. Uh, it can be as something as simple as grabbing your hand. It can be as something as simple as like uh, placing a hand on your shoulder. Sometimes you may see people grab somebody's face. Uh, you know, those types of things or to place a, he- a hand on their head. Uh, but there is, is something that is beautiful about this act. Um, it's a way of like sealing the bond of God, of reconnecting you not just to God but to humanity. And when they laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesy. Now, prophecy is something that is wonderful. The Bible instructs all of us in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 to seek to prophesy. And prophecy does not mean to foretell the future. It can be that, but that's more of a word of wisdom. Uh, Words of wisdom know about the future. Words of knowledge know about the present and the past. Prophecy just means you stop talking and God starts. Now, you can sing with the spirit of prophecy. You can preach with the spirit of prophecy. And somebody says, well, what does that even mean? What does that look like? Well, have you ever been in a service? This happens to me a good bit. I'm in service. I'm worshiping. And all of a sudden, I sense my heart being dealt with about something. Um, and, and it's God speaking to me. And we'll talk about that like a breeze. Uh, Jesus said the Holy Spirit is like a breeze. When the wind blows, you don't see the wind, but you can feel it. Uh, and so when, when God's talking to you with the spirit of prophecy, it's like, he's talking right to me. <laughs> and it's like, it's not even the preacher or the singer. It's the Holy Spirit uh, ministering, and he's talking through somebody to your heart. Uh, And so prophecy is just where God does that in a language you understand. Tongues is where God does that in a language you don't understand. And for a lot of people, they get tripped up on tongues of like, what in the world are you talking about? Tongues? Like, what is going on here? And I always laugh at that. And the reason why I laugh at that is, one, I've been doing this my whole life. I was born in a spirit-filled household, and uh, you name it, I've seen it. Uh, (laughs) You know, I was born in the deep end of the pool. I can promise you that. Uh, So out of that, I've seen a lot. But it always fascinated me with tongues of how, like, we can logically, even if you take the most logical person in the room, they could acknowledge that uh, Colombia, uh, which is one of my favorite nations, uh, I, I really have embraced uh, that culture and those people, just I so enjoy it, and such a beautiful language Spanish is, uh, that I don't understand it though. It's an unknown tongue to me. I'm trying to learn it through Duolingo, not successfully, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I got some words down. But when I hear people speak it so fast and, and so fluent, I don't understand it, but I think it's beautiful. And why is it possible that Colombia could have a language that I don't understand and I don't think it's weird that I can receive that, but I can't receive the fact that heaven may have a language that I don't understand uh, and that I could pray that I interpret it uh, and get guidance on it. it. It just fascinates me how we have more faith in cultures than we have even in God. Um, And that we could see something else that we don't understand as beautiful, but could see something else that we don't understand as strange. 
Now, God knew that this would be the case, which is why he wrote the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He said, look, I know if you speak in tongues in a church service and someone walks in who's an unbeliever, someone who's unlearned, they'll walk out thinking you are crazy. And we have all seen church services like that probably where, you know, if an unbeliever walked in or something like that, they may hear people speaking in tongues or yielding to the spirit or whatever people want to call it and walk away thinking like, what is going on there? So the Bible will even meet you on that level and say, look, I know sometimes you may walk into these things and it be strange to you. And so uh, Paul, through the help of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, actually corrected that. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you will see Paul write to a spirit-filled church and correct them. And the correction was, you built a church you like to attend with no thought of the unbeliever or the unlearned. And he said, when, when people are walking in who are visitors, they're walking away being like, I don't want that. And he said, that shouldn't be that way. He said, tongues in the unknown tongue is something that's used for private he said, I, I, I thank my God, I speak in tongues more than ye all. And meaning like all of you put together, I pray in tongues in private that much. But he said in public, I'd rather you speak five words in a known tongue than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue that the hearer thereof may be edified. And his point there was not to, to take a dim view of tongues. It was not to bring confusion to people who hadn't been taught on it. Uh, and so this is what we aim to do is to be a spirit-filled church that you want to bring unsaved people to, <laughs> which is the, the cry of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But to not leave you as an unlearned person and to not leave you as an unbeliever, but to educate you in the goodness of Jesus so that you become a believer, but to also educate you in the flow of the spirit so that you're not unlearned. Um, and to bring you into this, because this is absolutely transformative. And it, there's a reason why it's their first question. The early church first question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Why would that be the first question? Because it is that transformative for those who will be filled and then yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Further evidence that there is a gift you can receive uh, if uh, you're a born-again child of God called the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It's all throughout Scripture. Check this out in the book of John. Uh, John chapter 14 and verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. Watch this. That is the spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Spirit, who the world cannot receive. Why? Who's the world's gift? Jesus. Jesus is God's gift to the world. God so loved the world that he gave them his only begotten son. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to his children. Jesus is God's gift to the world. Now, when I receive Jesus, I'm born of spirit. When I'm filled with the spirit, I'm filled with what I was born by. Uh, and he goes on here because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and he will be with you forever. Who's he talking to? Followers of Jesus. That when you become a follower of Jesus, that's when you become someone who can be filled with the helper, filled with the advocate, filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives this example in Mark chapter 2 and verse number two, uh, 22. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst 
first the skins, and the wine is lost, and the skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. So he says, before I put in the new wine, I must give you a fresh wineskin. This is a type of shadow of being born again, then being filled with the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, old things have passed away, all things have become new, new wineskin. Once you have that new wineskin, he didn't just give you a new wineskin so you could sit around and talk about, I got a new wineskin. He gave you a new wineskin so he could pour in some new wine uh, and come into this place where he fills you up uh, with God's Holy Spirit. Uh, And so this is a type and shadow of receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, receiving that new wineskin, and then once it's built and established in you, then receiving that new wine. Uh, We see this play out again in the book of Acts. Let's go over to Acts chapter 8, and we'll look at verse number 4 here. Uh, Here there's been a lot of persecution in the early church. Uh, mainly by a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who later became the Apostle Paul. Uh, Why? He discovered Jesus, which is rather evident uh, that no matter who you are, Jesus can rewrite your story. Uh, But Saul is persecuting the the church, and he comes to the church at Jerusalem and begins to drag them away, begins to beat them, and even people were killed and stoned. And so this leads the church to expand. And what Satan meant for evil, God is working together for the good. So people are leaving Jerusalem and they're going to these other cities preaching the gospel of Jesus. One by the name of Philip. Let's look at this here in uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse number 4. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. Uh, And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began proclaiming, notice, what's he proclaiming to him? Christ. He's preaching the message of Jesus. And so he comes and he proclaims Christ. The crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he performed. For in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out of them with shouting with a loud voice and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed so that much rejoicing was done in that city. So what you have here is a lot of people coming to Jesus. Jesus uh, is being preached by Philip with the gospel of power, and it's not just come, uh, listen to me, talk about who Jesus is. It is, let me show you who he is, and let me show you his love and his power and his, his saving nature on your behalf, and God shows up, and I'm believing for a church where God shows up, and God shows up, and people are literally, who are paralytic, are walking again. And people are watching this, even the most unsafe people are watching this, and they're like, I think I want to know more about that God, Uh, because this is getting their attention in ways that they can't deny. You can argue with Jonah and the well, you can't argue with, he was lame, but now he's running, leaping, and praising God. Like, you can't argue with that. Uh, And so out of that, uh, they're seeing the gospel lived out in power, and they want it. And so watch what happens here uh, in verse number 12. But when Philip, when they believed Philip preaching the good news, well, the good news about what? About the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were being baptized, men and women alike. So question, are these people receiving Jesus? Yes. They're not only receiving Jesus, they're being baptized in water. Like, this is amazing. And somebody says, well, what's water baptism? If you're new to church, what water baptism is, it's a type and shadow uh, of what happened through salvation. That now I am washed in the water, the old me is washed away, a new me is coming up, I've got a brand new wineskin. It's a beautiful display of what happened in your heart. Uh, And the early church did it and we do it today. So these people are believing on Jesus, they're not only believers, but they're being water baptized, meaning they're going public with their faith. 
Uh, and watch what happens here in verse number 13. Even Simon himself believed. So he's a believer of Jesus. After being baptized, he continued on with Philip, and he observed the signs and the great miracles taking place and was constantly amazed. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, so here's further evidence here, had the church at Samaria received the word of God? Yes. Had they been water baptized? Yes. Had they believed on Jesus? Yes. Uh, So all these things are taking place. They hear, uh, Peter and John does, that Samaria has received the word of God, verse 15, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus is God's gift to the world. All those in Samaria were far off. God brought them nigh through preaching Jesus. But when they received Jesus, they said, you know what else they need? They need infilling with the Holy Spirit. And notice, that was the first thing they gave them. They didn't say, here's what you need. You need five more teachings. Here's what you need. You need need to go through blank class in Sunday school. It's like, here's what you need. You just became a a follower of Jesus? Yes. What do you need? I'll tell you what you need. You need to be filled with God's Holy Spirit. As soon as they heard they had received Jesus, they sent Peter and John to go preach the the message on the Holy Spirit. Watch this in verse 16. For he had not fallen yet upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So here, once again, you see the laying on of hands and receiving of the Holy Spirit by who? Believers. Um, If you're here today or watching or at Highland Colony or online or, or listening to this podcast, if you are a child of God and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is amazing. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? First question out of people's mouths in the early church. And when you look at the early church, you see a church that we want. It's a church filled with power. It's a church with radical generosity. It's a church that's acting on social justice without somebody asking them to. It's, it's literally people selling homes to give to the poor. Like, it is, it is where the Spirit of God is moving so strongly that buildings are shaking. Uh, You see the word of God multiplying and signs and wonders being done by the name of the holy child Jesus. You know why? Because it was a spirit-filled church. That was the question they were asking everyone as soon as they came to know Jesus was, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Why? Because Jesus said, you shall receive power after that which the Holy Spirit has come on you and you will be witnesses. The Holy Spirit, he is the power of God. And the reason why this is so strong in my heart uh, is because, like I said, I've been raised in this. Uh, It is all I know. It is all I've experienced. It is something that is at the core of who I am. And over the course of 20 years of pastoring, I have seen, especially in the South, uh, so many people be afraid of the Holy Spirit. And it absolutely breaks my heart. Uh, like seriously, I've cried over it uh, because of the way religion has, has made him seem. Um, and there is a, a stigma uh, that the enemy has put on it, that it is weird, that it is strange, uh, that it is something that is like, and can't be understood or mystical. 
Um, and anytime you see the Holy Spirit, you don't see that. You see he's the God of peace, uh, that he comes in. The first instance of the Holy Spirit is there is darkness and there is chaos, but the Holy Spirit is hovering. And God begins to speak, and the Spirit begins to move. And as God is speaking and the Spirit is moving, what was out of order comes into order. What was dark comes into light. What was ugly comes into beauty. And so God wants to transform literally our lives because how much of our life is out of order? How much of our life sits in darkness? How much of our life is not the beauty we want to see? And so what does he do? He puts his Holy Spirit in the earth and then he gives us words that come from him so that when we speak those out, we pray in perfect line with the will of God. And while we're praying, the Holy Spirit is moving, taking what is out of order and putting it into order, taking what is dark and bringing it into light, uh, taking what is, is not right and making it beautiful. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. You know, what's very interesting to me is when I was writing this, this message and, and creating this series, uh, I wanted to start with the message of the bird. And of course, when I talk about the bird, I'm talking about the dove. And we see this here in the book of Luke. Let's go over there and look at it. Luke chapter 3 and verse number 21, Jesus is being water baptized. And after the water baptism, something happens. We'll see this here in Luke 31, or Luke 3 and verse 21. Uh, Now, when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice out of heaven said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, notice this is a type and shadow of what will happen to us. Jesus, who is the son of God, now has the spirit resting upon him. When the spirit rests upon him, that's when the miracles start. Um, New wine skin, new wine, power. Um, After this, when you keep reading, it says Jesus comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. And of course, Jesus being the Son of God could have done miracles any time he wanted to do it. But why did he wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit? To show you a type and shadow. That you need a relationship with God the Father. You need a covenant with Jesus. And you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, that out of these things, we're interacting with God in his fullness, and in this interaction, we're walking in new type of power. But notice, this is what struck me when, when I read this. He came in bodily form like a dove, the Holy Spirit came. Uh, we see him in the book of Acts as a great and mighty rushing wind, um, and then a flame. So we see him as a wind, we see him as a flame, and we see him as a dove. And here was my question when I read that, why a dove? Like, why not like an eagle or like a cardinal or like a blue jay or something like that? Like, why a dove out of all the the animals that he could come as he came like a dove? Uh, And then it just kind of hit me that universally the dove is the sign of what? Peace. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Um, I think God knew exactly where the enemy would try to take the subject. And so he went ahead and demonstrated and then had Jesus teach on it. The demonstration, because he he knows we we like illustrated sermons, the illustration is, you know how the Holy Spirit's going to come to you? He's going to come to you as peace. 
it's not something that will harm you. It's not something you have to be afraid of. It's not like going to, to have to be some type of experience that you have to be nervous about. Uh, this is not something you have to be intimidated by. This is not something that's, you know, for the deep sheep. Uh, I'm coming to you in the form of peace. I am harmless. Jesus in teaching in the Holy Spirit said, if your son comes to you and is hungry and asks you for an egg, you're not going to give him a, a snake. If he comes to you and asks you for a sandwich, uh, you're not going to give him a scorpion. He said, and if you come to me, your father, and you ask me for the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to give you something you have to be afraid of. Uh, And so Jesus, even before the Holy Spirit is coming, is teaching on the elimination of fear when it comes to this. Um, And and it's not only teaching on the elimination of fear when it comes to this, but he says, in fact, it's beneficial for you that I go. For if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come to you. He says, literally, it's better for you to have an invisible spirit than a physical Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Because he will be with you wherever you go. He says he will be with you, but not only will he be with you, he will be in you. Uh, That the Holy Spirit is something that is beautiful and wonderful. He's to be desired. He is to be craved. Uh, He is to be filled with and filled by. Um, When I, I, I thought about this, like I thought like that was the end of the message, is like it's safe It's powerful, it's wonderful, it's beautiful. Don't be intimidated by it, don't be afraid of it. Sing, call for an altar. Um, But the other day I was praying and it just came so strong in me. What was the first instance of a dove? And I looked it up and it's, uh, of course, in the book of Genesis uh, that you have the world washed by water. See, all, all the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the new. Uh, a past that was where, where they used to walk, it was so filled with violence and pain and shame, so filled with hurt and wounds where they used to walk, that it was all washed away and became new. It's a type and shadow of receiving Jesus. The old has passed away, the new is being formed. Where you used to walk is the same place you used to walk, but it looks different because of what happened to you and coming into Jesus and a baptism of water. Uh, But before they exit the season that they're in, they're still in the ark. You know what Noah sends out? A dove. And you know what that dove comes back with? Come on, I've never heard that. Like when I saw this, I literally got up and dropped it. it. I'm like, that is good. You know what the dove came back with? He came back with an olive branch. What's the olive branch a type and shadow of? It's a type and shadow of the all of the Holy Spirit that comes with the power of God. Of all the things the bird could have come back with, he came back with the very thing that when pressed produces oil that anoints men and women of God. And what it, was, what it was symbolic of is you're about to enter into a new place. But when you enter into a new place, it's the old place that's been washed by the power of God. But even though it's been washed by the power of God, you're going to be endued with power from on high by the person of the Holy Spirit to walk in what God washed. 
And it's the same life you're living with water baptism. It's just now you're living it through Christ. But the way you break off of these chains that has held you in bondage and held you in this ark, the way you walk in this new life that God has for you is being filled with the Holy Spirit and yielded to his spirit. You walk in a new life. The olive branch, it's symbolic of new life. It's symbolic of something's growing again. It's symbolic of an old season becoming new. It's symbolic of like what you were trapped by being free from and you're able to exit what has contained you. And I, I think so many of you, you've been born again, but you still feel contained. And you know there's so much more out there for you that you could be walking in and seeing and experiencing, but it just still feels like you've been trapped in the same season, walking in a merry-go-round where it's like, I see all the scenery, but it never changes. It just goes in circles. And God is is coming to us and saying, like, the, the beauty of the life you want, it is found in the person of the Holy Spirit and being filled with him. That he's a helper, he's a comforter. I, I, I called a business uh, mentor of mine. He's a friend. Um, and he's a, a father figure to me. Uh, he's been very uh, successful in life and business. And the Lord's been so good to me by adding people into my life who are a generation or two ahead of me uh, that can guide me in things. And him and his wife are, are just spirit-filled people. Uh, and they're down to earth. They're both logical thinkers, um, you know, because it's, it's fun for me to watch logical thinkers and emotional feelers be filled with God's spirit. Uh, because water flows through the, the, a pipe, but it picks up what's in the pipe. And so when emotional feelers get filled with the, the God's spirit, it's like, Wow! <laughs> Because it picks up what's in the pipe. It's the same spirit. It's a different administration. Uh, But you also have logical thinkers that are filled with God's spirit. That you might not see the same emotion, but it doesn't mean it's any less spiritual or any less deep. We all need to learn from each other. Grow from each other. Um, And um, anyway, I, I had a story come up from my heart from him of something he said, and I just remembered he like was praying in the spirit and saw a chain. And, and, and so I called him, I'm like, tell me more about that story. I said, I remember you telling it to me once, but tell it to me again. And immediately he started talking. He said, Joel, there was a time in my life, I was you know, a Christian, spirit-filled, loved Jesus, had a business that was growing and thriving. It's, it's literally known all over the, the states. And he said, um, I just knew I was off though. And if you're a Christian and you feel like you're a little off, it's okay. We've all been there. All we are like sheep who have gone astray. And he said, I just knew in my life that like I had let some things drop and I wasn't as as like given to spiritual things as I needed to be. And he said, primarily in this season, it was just work, just got so busy and so extreme Uh, that it was taking my attention off of a lot of these spiritual things and over onto these natural things, and I just got caught up with it. And my heart knew it, and I knew I needed to make the adjustment. So he said, one morning, I just woke up, and I went over to the the coffee machine, and I'm just, you know, making coffee. And he says, as I'm making coffee, he said, just with a sincere heart, 
because it had been a minute since I had done this. With a sincere heart, I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what? Just life for this. Thank you, Lord. And he said, as soon as I said that, the Spirit of God just hit me. And I just began to pray. He said, it was just so strong in me that I just went to the, the, the ottoman, like there was a chair with an ottoman in front of me, just knelt beside it and began to pray in the Spirit. And he said, my wife came up behind me and she just put her hands on me and began to pray in the Spirit as well. And I just, I love just for a moment, I mentioned this last service of like the spiritual dynamics of that, of like a spirit-filled family and a spirit-filled wife and a spirit-filled husband and a spirit-filled daddy and a spirit-filled mama. Like there's power there that is not of this world. Literally not of this world. And it can do things in kids and do things for a husband and do things for a wife. I remember talking to my daughter. She had this spirit-filled moment. I said, what do you feel like when it happens? She's just crying, telling me about it. I started crying. And it wasn't even in one of my services. I called my pastor, the pastor friend of mine who led the service. I'm, I'm like, thank you, man, for giving me this gift. I said, tell me what it felt like. She said, daddy, I just felt clean. There's a power not of this world. It's beautiful, spiritual. And this couple, like this man and woman, these successful leaders in Jesus, are just having this moment of like prayer and intercession in the spirit. And he said, at this moment, like I saw a vision. He said, in the vision, I saw myself, but I was bound by a heavy chain. He said, like the only way I know how to describe it is like a chain that comes off of a boat, like a big cruise ship. It's got those heavy chains with the big, thick links kind of coming down. And he said, I saw that chain, it was around me, and I was bound and I couldn't move. And he said, I saw what was on it. And he said, I knew I'd had that ever since I was a little boy. And it was an area of my life that I was never quite able to surrender to the Lord Jesus and just give him that. And he said, I'd go through seasons where, man, I'd want to. I sense this so strong, like some of you are there, of like there's an area of your life you really won't surrender to Jesus, like you really want to see God move there. And he said, I, I saw this like just chained. And he said, I saw how this chain, like if it wasn't broken, would continue out through my family. And he said, and as I was praying in the spirit, he said, like I saw this chain just break. And he said, I knew in that moment I was free. And he said, Joel, I'm telling you, before God, I've never wrestled with that since. Why? It's that olive branch. It's there's new life waiting for you outside of this ark. It's the Holy Spirit bringing you the anointing that you need to break and destroy the yoke. And what we need is we need more people filled with God's spirit and we need more people using that to set themselves free, to set their children free, to set their husbands free, to set their wives free. We need praying mamas. We need a new generation of praying mamas. We've had a generation pass it. We need a new generation of praying mamas. We need a new generation of praying husbands. We need a new generation 
We need some of you to pick up these mantles. If you don't pick them up, we'll lose them for the next generations. Pick up these mantles and say, I'm not just going to have the story of I had one, I'm going to be the story of I was one and pass that down to my children. We need that. And so that's, that's what I want to invite you into today. I, w- I want to invite you into a, a life that is beautiful. It's not weird. It's not strange. A beautiful, powerful, rich life. Um, adventures in God, knowing Him, being led by Him, directed by Him, empowered by Him. And some of you today, may, you can receive that. At all of our campuses, you can receive that. Others of you, you have received that. You just don't yield to it near as much as you should. And I don't say that to shame you. Father, forgive me. I don't mean that to shame you. God's not in the business of shaming people. Um, but like if we would yield to this more... I think it would be amazing like these paths that would be prayed out. See, even Jesus needed a voice going before him to make the crooked places straight and the high places low and the low places high. And God knows you need a voice going before you, so he gave you a heavenly prayer language to pray out the perfect will of God for your life, a voice that goes before you, where you're not walking in a wilderness, but you're walking down a smooth path. Uh, for those of us who are spirit-filled, to yield to that more. Uh, and in our own personal life, just yield to the flow of God's Spirit. So today, we're going to sing uh, and worship and just yield to God. And then while we're doing that, make a decision. If you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, or you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, make a decision that today, before service ends, I will make a decision to do that. And for those of you who are spirit-filled, make a decision while we're singing like today, I will live a more spirit-filled life. I will let those rivers of living water flow out of me more and more and more. Let me pray for you and we'll sing. Father, we come before you. We love you. We honor you. We thank you, Father, that as we worship and draw near to you, that, Father, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit ministers right to us. Father, I don't know exactly what every person in this room or every person in our other rooms or every person watching online may be going through, but what I do know, Father, is this, is that no matter what that is, your Holy Spirit can counsel them through it, can guide them through it, can empower them to get through it. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that the power of your Spirit rests upon us in new and fresh ways. Father, we thank you for new wine, just filling up these new wine skins like never before. We love you, Lord, so much. And we thank you that during our worship, that your Holy Spirit would meet with each one of us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.